0: Friday. It's after 4:30, and that means it's time for this week's edition of Cannabis. This week, I want to look at those who are in leadership roles within the cannabis industry. Of course, it's a new industry; uh, legalization happening exactly two years ago tomorrow. Everyone should know, though, uh, there is a diversity issue when it comes to high-up positions in this country in just about every industry. But is that also the case here for the cannabis industry? Well, a policy brief released this week by the Center on Drug Policy Evaluation and the University of Toronto, examines race and gender of executives and directors in the Canadian cannabis industry. And to speak more about this, I'm pleased to welcome to the show now, Nazli Maxudi. She is the Knowledge Translation Manager at the Centre on Drug Policy Evaluation, and she's also Doctoral Candidate, Health Services Research Institute of Health Policy Management and Evaluation at the University of Toronto. Nazli, thank you so much for the time.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Okay, so let me just kind of get a brief overview of of this uh, brief that you guys have put out. So what exactly were you trying to determine when seeing, you know, who was in leadership positions within the cannabis industry and sort of what were your findings?
1: really setting out to assess whether the promise of an equitable legal cannabis market has been achieved. As you said, we're two years out. Cannabis policy reform has been in action for two years. So it's really a time to look back and see what we have come to bear over this time. So our research looked at 700 executives as well as board of directors, so individuals that are in positions that have quite a significant financial stake within licensed producers as well as within parent companies, direct parent companies of those licensed producers. So we looked at 700 people across 222 organizations. And what we found is that the Canadian legal cannabis industry is overwhelmingly white and is overwhelmingly male and is disproportionately white and male. So just to give you some specific stats about what we found here, 84% of cannabis industry leaders included in our analysis were white, and 16% were non-white. Among the 16% non-white, the specific groups that were most underrepresented included Indigenous people at 2% and Black people at 1%. When we take race and gender together, here we see that 86% of our study was male and only 14% were women. And amongst the men, what we saw is that the vast majority, of course, are white men. So if we go from most to least, we have 73% white men, 14% non-white men, 12% white women, and 2% non-white women. So really seeing women being not proportionately represented, particularly women of color. And of course, as I mentioned, indigenous and black people being particularly underrepresented across both genders.
0: Now, when when you and your team kind of went over this data and, and collected it, was this at all surprising to you? I'm not, I wasn't surprised when I read it to see that, you know, it was predominantly white men, but I was surprised at just how much they were, right? How big of a percentage they did encompass. That was a little surprising to me.
1: I think you're exactly right, yes. For anyone who's been following the legal cannabis industry in Canada, I don't think this would come as a surprise. There have been lots of anecdotal reports that cannabis is predominantly men, that it's predominantly white, but until this point, we have not had any systematic analysis of the industry and any numbers to back those anecdotal reports. So I think the strength here is absolutely now having the possibility to say, well, this is the actual number, this is the degree to which it is disproportionate representation, and hopefully that can be used to make some change. Yeah,
0: and and you guys have put forward some recommendations in this brief to, to try to bring about a little bit more diversity, a little bit more equity into this industry. Uh, can you maybe go over just sort of what those recommendations are?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I should just preface and say that unfortunately, cannabis policy reform in Canada has never been about social justice. I think the Canadian government was quite uh, explicit or um, they were deliberate in their intention to set out the three main goals of cannabis policy reform and social justice, racial justice was not part of that. So this is something that two years later, it, we're still dealing with where we're playing catch up a little bit compared to other jurisdictions that have moved forward with legalization of cannabis and from the outset, had initiatives that were based in social equity and a desire to ensure that groups that were underrepresented were represented in the industry um, once it was legalized. So I think our recommendations that came out of this policy brief definitely were targeted towards policymakers. Um, currently, the government at multiple levels is examining after two years their uh, cannabis policy frameworks, and it's an ideal time to take a look and have a critical examination of the industry with respect to the racial and gender diversity and ensure that cer- certain social equity programs like those that include targeted avenues of entry into the cannabis industry or provide related business, financial sh- support for people in underrepresented groups, we see those in other places like California, Illinois, Massachusetts. So there are places to look to and policies that could be taken up if this was a priority for our government, which I absolutely think it should be.
0: And uh, one one ping point too, I, I don't know if you said it in there. There was a lot to go over as you were responding, but the the tax revenue from cannabis sales being used to support financial business development programs aimed at lowering barriers to entry. Do you think? I mean, that seems like something that would have a real positive impact here to to be able to not only provide the resources for for those uh, you know who are underrepresented right now to find the the means to uh, you know enter the industry, but also maybe a little bit more of an incentive to do so as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the fundamental pieces to point out here is that this industry is not like any other industry. You you pointed out at the beginning that many of our industries in Canada are dominated by men and are primarily white. But this industry is unique in that we're dealing with a substance that has been criminalized in Canada for decades. And under that time, what we saw is black people and indigenous mm-hmm. people be disproportionately targeted, police surveilled, funneled into the criminal justice system. Many of them are still sitting in prison. And unfortunately, our, our policies around pardons and expungements have not gone far enough. Mm-hmm. So all of that to say that This industry, I think, can benefit not only from including these people, but it would also be absolutely crucial to redressing the harms that they have experienced. It's such insult to injury to have been disproportionately targeted and then be disproportionately excluded. That is not what Canada means to me. Canada is about inclusivity. It's about equity. It's about multiculturalism. I hope that our cannabis industry will reflect that in the future.
0: Uh, yeah, I hope so too. It and it should. It really should. There's no reason why it shouldn't. I mean, this is probably something that uh, you know. There's no real timeline. This would be uh, just a, opinion, I mm-hmm. guess. I'll ask. But uh, you know, if everything were to kind of go according to plan, based on what you've laid out here, and you start to see some of these programs implemented, tax revenues uh, being put back into the system to encourage more diversity, do you see this being something that could be solved in in a you know a short period of time, or is this something that you know we're only two years into legalization, so it feels like we're all Already, really behind the eight ball here when it comes to diversity, when it comes to equity, that this is now already two years in. We're probably looking mm-hmm. at a really uphill battle to make sure it is in a uh, fully um, equal playing field.
1: Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I think if our uh, if our government really prioritized this and took it upon themselves to adopt some of the social equity initiatives that we've seen in other places, that could happen and we could see change much more quickly. There are certain ways that you can allocate certain spots within the legal industry for people from underrepresented groups, uh, prioritize diversity in the way that you evaluate certain applications. So there's lots of things that can be done. If they were done, I would expect to see improvement. I am I'm not sure that that is the way we're going at the moment. I hope that this public pressure that is coming from the recognition of the underrepresentation as indicated by this policy brief will grow, it will grow and will mount and will force our government's hand to really think about cannabis policy that is rooted in racial and gender equity.
0: Nasli, I really appreciate the time here. Thank you so much for doing this. I do think this is something that, uh, you know, could definitely be improved and shouldn't take too, too, too much to see a little bit more equality. 86 percent men, 84 percent white. I mean, I feel like we should be able to do better than that. But I really appreciate you taking the time to highlight this. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was Nasli Maxudi.